welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Um, uh, just want to remind you guys, you guys see it out there, the angel trees out there. Um, uh, Debbie Griggs had asked me to uh, remind everyone that if you took an angel tree tag on Sunday, make sure you let her and Nakia know that you took one. Uh, she just likes to know who, who got them, so, um, so just let her know how many you got. So um, if you know Debbie, but everybody knows Nakia, but if you know Debbie or uh, them, just see them. So, all right, I want to continue our lesson. I uh, also do want to tell you guys that um, uh, I will be out next Wednesday night, but I have a very good minister friend of mine coming to minister next Wednesday night, um, Patrick Sutherland. If you've been here in the church for quite some time, you probably know Patrick. Um, he led a ministry down in Withville, the Withville area, Canaanland Boys uh, uh, Ministries, where he would minister to the recovering addicts. Now he's traveling and preaching different places, but he's still down out of the Withville area. Uh, Patrick is a great guy, and he's a tremendous minister, so I would encourage you that um, he's going to be teaching on healing as well, so um, make plans to come out and support Patrick. Um, next Wednesday night. Um, he's just a great guy and he'll be a blessing to you. So um, that's next Wednesday. Um, anyway, so good stuff there. All right, I want to continue this series. I've been teaching on Jesus, our healer. And tonight I want to talk to you uh, about another specific reason. We know it's the will of God for us to be healed. But let's start with our opening text in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. Let's read those and then let's just pray and trust God for what he has for us this evening so we can sort of focus our attention on the word. It says in uh, Isaiah 53 and verse 4, surely he, speaking of Jesus, hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much that you're so good to us, and I just thank you that um, you have provided healing for us, and that as we approach your word, um, that faith will be built in our heart tonight, that revelation will come forth, that we're not just conveying an argument, uh, we're not just conveying just empty, dead, uh, written words on a page, we're speaking the very word of God. And so I thank you that as we look to your word, that you will unveil and unfold your truth, that revelation will come, you'll solidify within our hearts in a stronger fashion and with more faith, that it's always your will for us to be healed and to walk in uh, the ultimate of health. And so we just give you praise and thanks for helping us uh, understand that and giving us the, and, and just encouraging our faith to receive that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, as I said, we're talking about healing here and that uh, healing is a provision uh, that God has provided for us. And what we've seen in our opening text here and said it every week that verse 5 at the end of that verse, it points out that healing is a part of God's redemptive plan for us. It says, with his stripes, we are healed. And actually in the Old Testament, I mean in the New Testament, in 1 Peter, it says, with his stripes, we were healed. So Isaiah prophesied that we are healed by what Jesus did for us. But Peter, in quoting that, says, with his stripes, we were healed. So when Jesus took stripes upon his back, uh, at that moment, he provided healing for us, just like he provided forgiveness for anybody that would receive it. And so what we've been looking at, though, is that, you know, oftentimes 
people will struggle in walking in this particular promise. There's a lot of promises in that redemptive, uh, those redemptive scriptures we read, but sometimes folks will struggle. In, and as a matter of fact, in any of those areas, you'll struggle if you don't receive teaching on it and you don't see the Word of God on it. And so, you know, we pointed out that many times folks may fall short of God's best, you know, and, and that happens in anything in our life. You know, God wants us to walk in love, but sometimes we don't walk in love, but it doesn't mean that it's not the will of God for us to walk in love. Same thing with healing. God wants us to be healed, but oftentimes we, sometimes we fall short of that, but it's still the will of God for us to receive and walk in that promise that he has for us. And so we've been looking at really scriptural evidence that it is the will of God for us to be healed. And I've really done my best to try to base this on what we see in scripture as opposed to just an argument for it. Because scripture is what builds faith in us. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing the word of God. So when we hear God's word, it builds faith in us to receive God's promises. The way that we receive God's promises is through faith. You know, a lot of people think the will of God just happens because God wants it to happen. But if that were the case, then everybody in the world would be saved. The scripture tells us that it's, God's not willing that any would perish, but that every single person would come to repentance. Well, why doesn't God just save them if it's his will? Because people have to receive that, right? And so we receive those promises that, and, and we bring his will to pass in our life through faith. And we see that in Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, so the promise is received by faith. So any promise that you receive in life comes from faith. It's a free gift. It goes on to say it is given as a free gift, and we are certain to receive it. Notice this. This is really pretty strong in the NLT. It says whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. It says you can receive the promise of God by faith as a free gift, whether or not you live by the law of Moses. So what does that mean? That means that you being healed or whatever promise it is that God has for you is not contingent upon you being perfect. It's not, you know, I think a lot of times we feel like we fall short. We, I think one of the biggest things that Christians struggle with is, is embracing their righteousness in Christ. Understanding that regardless of, you know, the, the journey you're on and the, the, at times you may fall and fall short of what God's best is for you, even in his, in his will regarding holiness, you may fall short of that, but that falling short of that does not disqualify you from God's promises. Because Jesus paid the price for that imperfection. He paid the price to wash away and take that sin away from you. Every sin you ever committed or will commit was placed on that cross when Jesus hung on it. So what you do next year, that's short of God's, it's already been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And so what that verse of scripture said is the way you receive God's promise is not by you earning it, not by you being good enough to get it. It's simply by you saying, Lord, I thank you that in this case, healing is mine because Jesus paid a price for me to have it. And that's the only reason that I need to have. And so I'm going to place my faith in that. And so that's what that verse says. It says the promise comes through faith. And so as we believe God's promises, even when sickness tries to attach itself to us, or even when we've been diagnosed with something, if we'll stand firm on that promise, the promise will change the reality that we currently have if we'll stand and hold fast. And that's what it says in 1 John 5, 4. It says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So when the world and everything that's in the world tries to attack us or attach itself to us, if we'll stand on God's promises, 
then we can receive that promise and overcome. And so what we've been doing in this whole series is really talking about biblical evidence that shows us that it's the will of God for us to be healed. And I could go through the various eight reasons that we've already covered, but I would just encourage you to, if you, if you want to keep your faith built up, go back and listen to those lessons online and you can build your faith on that. But tonight what I want to do is, is I want to talk to you about the fact that we know it's the will of God for us to be healed because the scripture tells us that God is a good God. Everybody say God's a good God. Aren't you glad he's not a bad God? God is a good God. Isaiah 45 verse 8 and 9 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger. Aren't you glad he's slow to anger? And of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his work. So the Bible, as a matter of fact, this is my probably my, my most favorite verse of scripture, Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9, because I think it, you know, is, is a great picture of who God is. He's gracious, he's merciful, he's good to all. And so the Bible tells us that God is good to all and his tender, tender mercies are over all his works. And so what we find is, as we look to scripture, the scripture does not define God as some mean, angry ogre that we should be afraid of. Uh, He's a good God, and part of his goodness we're going to find out tonight includes healing. So what I want to do is is I want to take a look at various scriptures tonight that that, that actually characterize how God is good to us. It shows us maybe a certain quality of God that points out his goodness and how that goodness very clearly shows us that healing is a part of that goodness. So the first thing I want to point out is this, is that not only does the scripture say in general that God's a good God, but it says he's a good father, that he's a good father. And what we're going to see here is is that as a good father, he provides healing for us. Psalm 103, verse 11 through 13 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Aren't you glad he's done that? And then it says in verse 13, As a father, as a father has compassion on his children. So what I want you to stop and look at for a moment is this. The Holy Spirit inspired David, or the, the psalmist here, to write these words. And what, he's, and what the Holy Spirit inspired him to write was, I want, it was this, we need to recognize that just like a natural father loves his children, so God loves us as our Heavenly Father. See, I think a lot of times what happens is, is we put God in this category of mystical God, Right? But we put people in this category of people, right? And, and, and we understand, as, as far as individuals, what is good and what is not good. And what the scripture says is, is the same way a father would be good to his children is the same way that God will be good to us. It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And so God loves us in the same manner that a good father would love his children. Matter of fact, even more so. And, and so up front, I can tell you this then. What that means then is this, is just as much as a father would want to give healing to his child when that child is sick, if they had the power and wherewithal to do so. Well, how many of you realize God has the power and wherewithal to do so? Well, as a father would want to give that to his children, so would our heavenly father desire. Because it says just like a father, he would do that. 
And so, you know, as a good natural father, he will provide healing for us. Now, what I've heard many times in light of this good father argument to, to ar sort of argue that, that God sometimes that he doesn't want to heal us is, is that, you know, he'll use sickness sometimes as a good father to discipline us. How many of you ever heard that before? I've heard that before, right? But the scripture doesn't teach that. It says that God is a good father, would, uh, that a good father, like a good father wouldn't do that. I mean, think about that for a minute. If a good father chose to, uh, just think about Matt for a minute. If Matt just chose to discipline his children by saying, you know what, you've been bad and I want you to learn something, so I'm going to go ahead and get this flesh-eating bacteria and I'm going to give it to you so that you learn a lesson from this. We would lock him up for child abuse for doing that. And yet we somehow think that God and his divine wisdom gives us sickness to teach us. But what the scripture says is as a father is good, so is God good. If a good father naturally wouldn't give his child sickness to teach him something, then a good father heavenly wouldn't do that either. See, truly a good father does discipline us, but he disciplines us in a loving way just like a good father would. A good father wouldn't give his kid cancer to teach him something, wouldn't wish cancer on him, wouldn't want cancer on him. Matter of fact, if cancer tried to attach itself to him, a good father, if he had the wherewithal to do it, would rid the kid of the cancer, right? So that's the very same thing a good father would do. But a good father does provide correction for us. But God's correction for us is two specific methods. It's very clear in Scripture how God corrects us. Number one, he doesn't correct us with sickness. He corrects us with his word. He corrects us with his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Notice this, for reproof and for correction. For instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfectly thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So what the scripture says is God has given us his word to provide reproof and correction for us. So one of the ways God corrects us is not by giving us sickness, not by bad things happening to us, but by actually giving us his word to teach us. What is right? What is wrong? What will cause pain? What will not cause pain? What will keep you safe? What won't keep you safe? He says, if you'll follow my plan, then you'll be fine, right? But if we don't follow his plan, how many of you realize when you don't follow his plan, sometimes bad things happen? But that's not God correcting us. That's a self-inflicted wound, right? <laughs> you know, I've always said it this way. You play in the devil's backyard, his dog will bite you, right? God didn't, I mean, you know, the, 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 the dog's just back there. And so many times we have problems in our life. Many times, you know, uh, we don't take care of ourselves the way God tells us to. Many times we're, we're, we're not, um, you know, um, uh, living the way we should, and therefore sickness may attach itself to us. Matter of fact, the Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, right? I always put it this way, that obedience and doing what God's corrective word says keeps you under the spout where the blessing comes out. It's like an umbrella that protects you from anything bad happening. But if you step out from under that umbrella, well, then bad things can happen. And so that's what this verse of Scripture tells us, that the Word of God is given to us to correct us and reprove us, to say, hey, look, here's the umbrella, get back under it. Here's the right path, stay on this one. Because that'll keep you from being hurt, that'll keep you from pain, that'll keep you from other people. And so, and so God, first of all, he corrects us through his word. The first way God provides correction is not by sickness and disease or bad things happening to us. 
It's through his word. The second way God provides correction to us is by his Holy Spirit within our spirit. God will correct us by the Holy Spirit within us. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6 says this. It says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And, and scourgeth every son when he, is rece- when, he, when he receiveth. And so what he says there is if God, if God loves you, he's going to correct you. How many of you realize you love your kids? You go provide correction sometimes. goes on to say in verse 7, If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if, he be, but if ye be without chastisement, whereof are you partakers? Then are you bastards and not sons. That's pretty strong language, right? So what it says there is, is it says if God doesn't correct you, then you're not even his child. So God is going to provide correction, very clearly put. So in saying that God's a good God doesn't mean that God's not going to correct us, but he's not going to bring it by bringing bad things into our life from a good God's hand. He's going to do it through his word, and then we're going to find out here in a minute that he does it by his spirit. Notice he goes on and makes this comparison, verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh. Everybody say fathers of our flesh. I think it's really interesting that the writer of Hebrews there used that specific term. He didn't just say we had fathers, but he specifically called out the type of father. And I believe the Holy Spirit had him do this because he wanted us to see the parallel instead of just categorizing it all under a father. He says, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. Well, where would a father of your flesh correct you? In your flesh, right? I mean, how many of you had a dad raising up that, or a mom or a parent that raised you up and corrected you at times, right? They, they corrected you in the natural realm. They corrected you in the flesh. You know, nowadays people don't do this, but I mean, when I was growing up, dad, dad had a, a little a belt. He'd, he'd whip us with at times when we disobeyed, right? Uh, you know, we, dis- we had discipline, and, and fathers of our flesh correct us in our flesh. But how many of you realize if my father would have, once again, broke an arm or provided, you know, sickness, uh, some vial of sickness to teach me something, he'd have been in trouble for that, right? So what this verse of Scripture is using this parallel, that just like natural fathers will provide discipline and correct us, it goes on to say, and we gave them reverence, shall we not much more rather be in subjection? And then he uses this phrase, to the Father of spirits. Everybody say the Father of spirits. So fathers of our flesh correct us in our flesh. Fathers of our spirits correct us where? In our spirits, right? So God the Father is not in the business of bringing sickness into our flesh to correct us. Some people teach that, but that's not true. As a matter of fact, you'll see throughout the Old Testament many, many times God went to people and said, you're living in sin and and you're going to die of this sickness. But it wasn't him putting sickness on them. It wasn't him. He was saying, you're about to experience this. And then in other places in the Old Testament, we see that if you you disobeyed God under the law, how many of you realize we're not under the law anymore? Then judgment would come. How many of you realize judgment, going a little different than what I decided to go now, but how many of you realize judgment is different than discipline? Judgment is, is different than discipline. Judgment is punishment for a sin. Discipline is a corrective action to get you on the right path. And so in the Old Covenant, you would see God say, if you disobey me, then I will bring all these sicknesses upon you. He says, I'm gonna, I'm, there's going to be judgment that falls upon you in that situation, right? And so what we find to be true is, though, under the New Covenant, Jesus paid the price for us. We're no longer under the law, so judgment is being withheld from us because of Jesus. Aren't you grateful for that? 
Amen? But what we see here is this then, the way God corrects us today is not in our flesh, he does it in our spirits. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, we can see this. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Well, that's pretty amazing because how many of you would actually say you know everything? Well, you know, your spouse may be saying, <laughs> you may think, you, how many of you have met a know-it-all, right? And that's not what he's saying. But he's saying you have one living on the inside of you, and because of that, you may not mentally know it, but on the inside of you, you know everything. It goes, that's pretty clear. And it says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And notice this, you do not need that anyone teach you. That's interesting. He says, you don't really need anyone to teach you. Well, then why do we come to church? Because the Bible says he gave apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers to teach us, right? Gives us the opportunity to teach us, right? But what it says here, it says, you don't need anyone to teach you, but as the anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and as just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. So what this verse of scripture says is, is that you've got the spirit of God living on the inside of you and the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, even when you may not know what the word says about a situation, will correct you when you do wrong. How many of you ever done something and you didn't know it was wrong, but the minute you did it, you were like, oh, that wasn't right. How many of you ever been there before? Felt uncomfortable on the inside. That sort of you know, I always say, put it like this. It just doesn't feel like a warm coat on a, it feels like taking a bath with your socks on, right? Just something ain't right about this. That's the way God corrects us. He corrects us two specific ways. He does it through his word and he does it through the spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. But he does not correct us by dishing out sickness to teach us something. As a matter of fact, we see this very clear when it talks about God being a good father. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So what he says is, with God, if you'll, if you'll seek him, you'll find what you're looking for. Well, that alone is enough to know, I mean, this is off the subject, but how I many you know that alone is enough to teach you that healing's the will of God for you? If you come seeking healing, you'll find it. He's not saying come seeking healing, you'll get some ambiguous answer. He says, no, he'll, he'll give it to you. It goes on to say, or what man is there of you whom if, he, if his son asks bread, he will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, he will give him a serpent. If you then being evil or carnal or natural is what that word really means, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So what that verse says is as a good father, if you come seeking something good, he's going to give it to you and bless you with it. His, his answer is yes, you can have it. And then it's just up to you to receive it by faith. Well, how many believe if you're sick, being healed is a good thing? to be seeking. It's a good thing to be asking for. And it says, if you come asking for that good thing, your father will give it for it to you. So one of the reasons, one of the aspects of God being a good, uh, a good God is he's a good father. And a good father will always provide healing for his children and not withhold it if he can. Number two, another good uh, an aspect of God being a good God is that he's in the business of giving good things and not bad things. A good God gives 
Good thing. Psalm 34 and verse 10 says, The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. So it says if you are following the Lord and seeking Him with your heart and trusting Him, He's not going to be the reason you're lacking something good. He's not withholding it from you. Goes on to say in Psalm 84 and verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and the shield. The Lord God will give grace and glory. Notice this. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So what that tells me is there's never a situation where you come seeking good healing for your physical bodies that God's answer will say, nope, not this time. Because it says no good thing will he withhold from you. He's not going to hold it back. James chapter 1 and verse 16 says, do not be deceived. So he says, I think it's interesting because he says, there's the potential to be deceived on this particular subject. He says, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is in the business of giving good things, and it says there's no variation or shadow of turning. Now, as I was reading that this afternoon, preparing my heart for tonight, one of the phrases I never really look, I've always read it, but it never really stood out to me, but it did tonight. Verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And notice it says, and comes down. Everybody say it comes down. So what that says is, is that God is in the business. There are good gifts coming down from him right now. Right now. And there's no variation or shadow of turning. So what that means is he's not turning the faucet off and back on and off and back on and off and back on. No, those good gifts are constantly flowing from the throne of grace. And if we'll simply reach out and receive by faith, there may come a moment in time as we're teaching on these lessons where you've dealt with something physical and, and, and you haven't gotten rid of it yet. But in this moment, you see it and a light goes on and you reach out and take it. In that moment, you can receive that good gift that God has for you. It says, and notice what it says there. It says in the business of not just giving good gifts, but perfect gifts. How many of you know what a perfect gift is? It's the one you want and need at the moment, right? That's the perfect gift. You know, I, as, a, as a dad growing up, I don't, don't get much of this anymore because they ask the question and pretty, they're pretty sneaky about it, my kids on Father's Day. But uh, how, how many of you know the old proverbial polka-dotted tie on Father's Day that dads get, right? It's a blessing to their heart, but it's really not the thing that he was really looking for, right? God's not in the business of giving you some dime store gift when you're looking for something different. That's not him. He's in the business of giving the gift that's right at the right time. And, and one of those good gifts is healing. We've read, we've read this one over and over, week after week, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost, and with power, who went about doing good and healing. Healing is something good that God, it comes down from the Father of lights and there's no variation. And so we know another reason that, 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 that healing is for us today is because God's a good God and a good God gives good things, right? Here's one last reason tonight before we close up shop. We know that healing is for us today because the scripture tells us that God and Jesus are the good shepherd. They're a good shepherd. Notice John chapter 10 and verse 11 through 15. Jesus said these words. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep 
and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine as the Father knoweth me. Even so know I the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus declared that he was a good shepherd. And we know that healing is provided for us. We're going to see it in a minute. We know that healing is provided for us because a good shepherd provides healing for his sheep. I mean, could you imagine if we had a, uh, a good shepherd contest? If there, you, know, you know, out maybe on the backside of Israel, you know, uh, they decide we're going to have a, a contest for the best good shepherd in the land. And, you know, so it boils down to just two guys, right? And this one guy brings out his sheep, and this sheep is, uh, I mean, when, when he brings him out, I mean, it's, it's nice and plump and healthy looking. I mean, its wool is white as snow, clean and fluffy, and just a healthy looking sheep. Gums are nice, teeth are good, hooves are all trimmed up. I mean, a good looking sheep, right? Judges look at it and say, yeah, that's a good shepherd. And then comes along the second guy, and the second shepherd brings him along, and what you've got is this emaciated, scraggly-looking old sheep, mangy, all of its wool falling off, teeth falling out, black gums, limping and walking hard, and they award the good shepherd award to that guy instead of the other guy. How many realize that don't make no sense, right? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And he said, as a good shepherd, I take care of my sheep. And so we understand that healing is a part of God's plan for us because a good shepherd provides and takes care of his sheep. Ezekiel 34, verse 2 through 4, clearly tells us this. It says, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So here's some bad shepherds, right? We're going to find out an example of a bad shepherd. And Jesus isn't a bad shepherd. He's a good shepherd, right? goes on to say, prophesy and say unto them, thus says the Lord God unto the shepherds, woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flocks. You eat the fat and you clothe, and you, clothe you with wool, you kill them that are fed, but you, you, you feed not the flock. Now notice this, the diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick. Neither have you bound that which was broken. And then it goes on to say, Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty you have ruled them. But notice at the beginning of verse 4. This is a description of a bad shepherd. The diseased have you not strengthened. Neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken. That is a description of a bad shepherd. So for God to ever say to any one of his sheep that needed healing, no, I'm not going to heal you, it would place Jesus in the category of a bad shepherd, wouldn't it, based on what we see in Scripture? So we know very clearly that healing is the will of God because Jesus is the good shepherd and he takes care of his sheep. Psalm 23 and verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. It says still in peaceful waters in one translation. Jesus as a good shepherd is in the business of providing for his sheep and bringing comfort to them. That's what we see in that verse of scripture. And so we know that sickness is, is, is absolutely not the will of God because Jesus as our good shepherd provides healing 
for his sheep. All we have to do is understand it, settle the matter in our heart, let faith rise within us, and reach out and believe it and stand in faith until it manifests in our life. Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9, it says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. We know that healing is the will of God for us today because God is a good God. He's a good father that provides healing for his children because any natural father would do the same and God's greater than any natural father. We know that because God is a giver of good things, including healing, and he, there's no variation or shadow of turning in him giving those good things. And we know that healing is the will of God because Jesus is a good shepherd, and a good shepherd always provides healing for his sheep. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that your word, just line upon line, precept upon precept, as we hear it, it builds faith in us. It eliminates the arguments that try to crop up and rob us and steal and erode away our faith of what you've promised us. So I just pray that as we've just looked at this foundational truth tonight that you're a good God, that it's inspired faith in our hearts to stand and believe that it's your will for us to be healed and you're not withholding it. So we reach out and we take what's coming down from the Father of lights tonight. We receive and embrace our healing. I thank you for it, Father. I just give you praise and thanks, Father. Just with your eyes closed right now, you may not even need healing right now, but there's a divine flow of health that comes from the heart of the Father. Just reach out and receive it in your heart today. Father, we thank you. We receive your divine health Thank you that it's flowing through our bodies. Thank you that it's driving out weakness and sickness and disease because that's your promise to us. We embrace that in our life. We will not yield to what the world tries to give us. We will stand and receive what you have for us by faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here and just you have a need tonight that you'd like for me to pray with you about, just anything at all, uh, I'd just like to be able to agree with you for that. Anybody at all has a need, you'd like me just, you just really came with a need, you'd like to receive prayer tonight. Anybody at all, just wait just a moment. Thank you, I see that one. Who else? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Well, just make, just make your way up here. Let me just understand what it is you want me to pray with you about. And then you guys just stay in an attitude of prayer for a moment. Let me just pray for you.
a good God. Amen. Well, let me stand to your feet with me and let me pray for you real quick before we dismissed. Uh, just remind you again, if you've got an angel tree tag, make sure you let uh, Bill, uh, uh, Debbie or, or Nakia know that. And um, uh, don't forget about our uh, upper room this coming Friday night as well. Uh, you get a double dose in the middle of the week if you come out on Friday night, but Sam's looking uh, forward to that, so I hope you'll join him for that. But uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for each person here. Thank you that you love them, that you care about them, and that your hand's upon them. As, as your children, your hand is upon their life. And I thank you for leading them and guiding them and bringing them to the great places that you have in store for them. Thank you for your angels camped about them, keeping them safe and protected. And I just thank you for the wisdom of God, giving them the understanding to make the right steps, do the right things. I just thank you for that, Father. I just thank you for that, Lord. I thank you if there's anybody here right now that's contemplating a decision, that your Holy Spirit that we talked about tonight will rise up within them to help them make the right choice to lead them and to guide them. I just give you praise and thanks for it, Father. And I thank you for bringing everybody back to worship with us again in our next service. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. Amen. God bless. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.